0: Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. You can go ahead, take a seat. My name is Jessie. Welcome. Welcome to everybody that is watching online. I hope everybody that um, has kids in the Madison County School that you enjoyed an awesome fall break. You got to sleep in, hopefully. You didn't have to rush around anywhere or you got away for a little bit and now we come back and It feels like fall. I told somebody I walked in this morning and I was like, it's that weather where I get out of my car and remember I forgot my coat. That's where we're at. It's finally that weather again. But it's going to, it's just, it's such a great season. And I'm excited for this sermon series of parenting and where we're headed. But before we jump in, let's go ahead. Let's just pray over the word of God, over what he has to say to us this morning. Why don't you join me? God, we just come before you. I thank you for this season i thank you for the way you prepare us to rest the way you invite us to rest that that we get to see the shifting of things growing and things harvesting and things resting and lord we have come on your day of rest to draw close to you we want to hear what you have to say to us so would you help us to just lay down everything that would distract us everything that would hinder your word lord would you let only what you want me to say come out of my mouth? Let us only hear your word, God. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning again. I, I am realizing, like, was, we're starting to have some more new faces. I don't know absolutely everybody. So I wanted to give, like, just a brief introduction of myself. So if you've been coming to the Vineyard for, like, 10, 11 years, you are free to play Candy Crush for the next 30 seconds. Okay. My name is Jesse. My husband TJ and I have been coming to the vineyard for about 12 years. We have four children. We love serving here. We love being in small group here. We just found ourselves here after moving from Fort Worth, Texas. We met at EKU and then lived in Texas for a little bit and then came back to Richmond a couple of Sundays after vineyard started. Now, we had every intention of trying out several churches, but my parents had just planted the vineyard, Pastor Joe and Pastor Janice. And, you know, if your parents plant a church, like, how are you not going to go at least one time? Like, I was, I was totally ready, if I didn't love it, to be like you know, we just need to like do a different thing where we're like our own family and like leave and cleave. And I was really going to pull that Bible out of it, right? And just be like, God wants us to just do our own thing. But we came and we loved it and you know Sunday after Sunday we would just find ourselves coming back here and making connections and joining different serving teams and the kids made friends and it's just become our home so we love vineyard and um and I I love seeing how God is growing us now I don't know about you guys we have been enjoying this parenting series but I have to admit that I'm the age that when I saw the wrecking ball on stage, the first thing I thought of was Miley Cyrus. Thank you. I am not the only 30-something in this room. And I was like, this is so inappropriate. What is going on? I'm like, what? And then mentioned that to a younger friend, and she was like, what are you talking about? And that's when I knew I was old, okay? So some of us get that reference, and some of us don't get it at all. But we're talking about about wrecking, about how to not wreck our kids. I saw this and thought, that makes total sense. My kids come into every room like a wrecking ball. They just swing right in. Ta-da! Here we are. This is really appropriate. Now, Pastor Joe's been giving us like really great practical wisdom on how to raise your kids and how to do a good job, and he's got 36 years. Now you know how old I am. 36 years of experience, and his kids seem to be doing okay. I am coming from the trenches this morning. I am coming from diaper land. I am coming from vomit land. I am coming from, like, navigating the different different places that God has us. My husband and I have four kids. They are 13, 10, 8, and we have a seven week. Right? So a, a while back, about a month and a half ago, we were given this incredible opportunity. We'd always had it in our heart to adopt. And we looked at each other and we knew we wanted to do this. And the opportunity came up and we thought, you know, it's not going to be that bad. Every, all my friends were like, you are so crazy. You want to start over again? And I was like, yes, I've always had this dream. I've always wanted to do this. It's like, this is going to be cake. I've always heard that if you have three kids, you just add one more. And it's like, no big deal. We are so cute. (laughs) That is not true at all, right? So sleep deprivation, that is a torture tactic for a reason. And our kids are just the age where like, I just kind of forgot. Like when you're going through it and you have three people under the age of six, you're just like surviving. You're getting through it and you're taking pictures that you can remember fondly later. But God blesses you with a lack of memory because of your sleep deprivation. And now we're getting to experience that a little bit so i've got like the front of how do we teach these kids to like navigate adult issues like how do you deal with relationships and how do you deal with like mean people and how do you deal with growing your character and how do you deal with how much tech should you let them have? Should they have a phone yet? Should they have social media? You know, could could how do we teach them just for five minutes to quit trying to kill one another? That alone, that would do it. And then on the other hand, you have the baby, that's a little easier. Right now it's just keep it alive. It's super cute. It eats and it sleeps and it smiles and you just want it to keep living. And my motto is if you can get in the car and remember the baby in the diaper bag, you're golden. Right? That's, that's really key. So write that down if you're taking notes and you just want, want to have some of this. I think all of us, if you have kids, if you want to have kids, if you have kids in your life that you have influence over, want to, to figure out what successful parenting looks like right? We want to do a good job. And there's so many voices telling us these different ideas, like successful parenting looks like having really well-behaved kids who make really great grades and do well in the sport that they are assigned in that moment and make you look good. And that is successful parenting. But then you have people who are like, you know what, as long as they're awesome people, it doesn't matter, whatever. And as Christians, we have a different mandate, don't we? Our deepest desire is to see our kids not only become successful adults that function well, but we want to see them come to the feet of Jesus. And that brings me, let's, um, let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These are Jesus' last words in the book of Matthew. He said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. For surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are Jesus's last words, so you know they matter right? We've all seen the movies where, it, you know, you have the character that it's their last dying breath. And that's when you have like the key thing that comes out. It's either like a declaration of love or their deathbed confession to the crime or that where's the key to the safe or the big apology that means so much. Like last words are so important. And these are Jesus's Parenting, what we're going to look at for parenting, does not just apply to small people that we are trying to raise, but it applies to discipleship. If you are a follower of Christ, you are called to disciple. I like the, the way I look at it is, I am a child of God, and it's my job to walk other children to the feet of Jesus as best I can. That's all our jobs. This applies to kids that we're raising, kids that we have influence with, and unsaved people in general. We might be teaching them to walk and talk and be polite, but we're also wanting to walk them to the feet of Jesus. So how do we do that? I feel like God, is, God shows us um, a lot of examples of really terrible parenting in the Bible. Okay, So when I was looking up, Parenting and and good parents and trying to find some good parents in the Bible, not so many stories about those ones. Now, for what I mean, it it makes sense, right? Like we learn from like some real crash and burns. I get, I'm sure there are great parents you just don't hear like. And John the Baptist was a really great dude because his parents made him go to bed and turn his phone off every night at 8 p.m. He was a little weird, but he brought Jesus to everybody. There's none of that here, but I love going to Deuteronomy. I don't love going to Deuteronomy. That is a lie. Deuteronomy is a real random book, I feel like, but that is where God brought us. I love going to Moses' life. So let's go. If you have brought your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 4, or we're going to have it up on the screen, and we're going to see like a parallel between Deuteronomy and what Moses' last words are to the children of Israel and what James says in the New Testament to the Christians and the children of God who are doing their best to, to live for Christ in an evil land. Now, I'm just going to catch you up on what's going on in Deuteronomy. These are Moses's last words, Okay. He has been leading the Israelites through the desert for the last 40 years. He brought them to the promised land. He did what he was supposed to do. They voted against following God. And so God punished them with this massive timeout in the desert where they never got to stop walking. And then while they were out there, Mo, you can look it up later, Moses got mad because they were complaining again. And they asked for water. And God told him, speak to this rock. Water is going to come out of this rock. Well, Moses was mad and hit the rock with a stick instead. Okay? I think we've all understand the outburst of anger when you have people who won't stop fussing and won't stop fussing. And this is what Moses was dealing with. So he hits the rock with a stick and because of his outburst of anger and his disobedience, God says, "Okay. You don't get to go into the promised land. You're going to see it" but you're not going to go into it. So throughout the book of Deuteronomy, Moses continues to say through this final sermon, because you made me angry and the Lord wouldn't let me in the promised land, I'm telling you blah, 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 which I think is hilarious. He just keeps blaming them. And he goes to God at the end of chapter 3, And says, I pleaded with the Lord, Sovereign Lord, you've begun to show your servant greatness and your strong hand. Basically like, God, you're so awesome. Maybe you could please, please like change your mind. Please, please change your mind. If you have people that you have to punish from time to time, you have been in this situation. Please, I'll never do it again. I'm so, so sorry. And that's what Moses is doing to God. And God says, and he says, but because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. So God is done, and Moses has finally given up, and now recognizes these are his last words. This is what he gets to pass on to the children of God as they move into the promise. Verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump down to 7 through 9. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you, Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live teach them to your children and to their children after that. So this is where we're going to pull from today, okay? I really think that when it comes to walking people to Jesus, when it comes to raising kids, I love the way Moses starts. He starts with us, with us, Before you get into the nitty-gritty and into, like, a sleep schedule and into, at this age, this is appropriate, and all the little rules that come before, this is where we start. If we're going to walk people to Jesus, here's number one, we have to listen. We have to listen. I mean, this seems like a no-brainer. I mean, how often do we, I mean, do we seem like we're listening, though? But we're really half-listening. Of course, we're supposed to be listening, we know that, but really we're only giving half our attention. I mean, some of you are doing that right now, right? Some of you are half listening, and some of you are just thinking, if Stoops had run the ball in the second quarter just a little bit more, we really maybe could have put a hurt on Georgia better than we saw yesterday. Or you're thinking, thank God, Georgia's awesome and I'm never leaving them. Or you're thinking about, what are we going to have for lunch? Or what is our schedule for the rest of the week? I feel like as a mother, I'm becoming a pro at half listening. I'm getting so good at gauging like what the child who has walked up while I'm trying to focus on something and do something, and then they come up and just start talking. And I'm really good at figuring out, like is this a story about your newest episode of whatever show that you're into, or is this a question? And then I can respond with, oh that's really cool. Or, oh my gosh, are you serious? Or, I am really proud of you. Now, sometimes I get it wrong. That's the worst. The worst is when you give the wrong (laughs) reaction and then your kid looks at you like you're crazy. Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, you know, I think I misheard you at the beginning. Could you start that over again? And I just need you to like redo it. And now I'm actually paying attention. Now I'm really listening. Moses knows this about people. He knows, that he's basically the parent all of God's people that he's brought through the desert. He knows listening, not always their best thing, right? So focus on listening. Sometimes it's easy, like when we're watching a show, my husband has this problem. When we're watching TV or a movie, he knows, we just agree that it's going to take him four hours to watch a one-hour show, unless I'm there. Because he's going to start thinking about work, he's going to start thinking about a phone call or text, and so it's just part of marriage, you just kind of like figure out whose responsibility is what. It's my, ability, my responsibility to keep the plot, so that when he says, what in the world is going on, I can say, well, this person did this, and then that character did that, and that's where we're at. Now, my favorite thing about having kids is now I've taught my daughter to take on this role. So Stella now will come and sit, and I can leave and go, like, do a load of laundry or do something else and then come back. And she will sit there, and if he's like, what's going on? She'll tell him the whole plot and tell me when I come back, and we don't have to waste time with all the restarting of everything. I highly recommend, like, replicate your jobs and then pass them on to your kids. But sometimes things get missed, Right? When we're not totally pay atten- paying attention, sometimes details, important details, will get skipped. Or worse, we miss a connection with somebody that we could have made because we were only half listening. We see this a lot in conflict, right? Whether it's in person or online, when you find yourself in the heat of an argument, you, you are not necessarily listening to understand, You're listening so that you can come in with your really cool, smart answer that's gonna put this thing down and you're gonna prove that your way is the right way and their way needs to get out. But so many conflicts escalate because instead of listening to someone to understand why they believe, we just get in there with our response and it gets us into a lot of trouble. Now we're gonna jump to James 1 and we're gonna keep coming back to James 1 if you wanna go there. He addresses this in verse 19 through 21. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. When we don't listen carefully to each other and to God, like Moses is calling us, like James is calling us, we lose the plot. We lose the plot. We forget that we're here to love God and love other people as ourselves. We get angry and we get defensive and we want to protect ourselves and protect our point of view and what we think is best instead of going back and saying, okay, God, what are you saying to me? What is this person trying to say to me? How do I love them and obey you? We have to get rid of the evils of anger and pride and make room for God's word to be planted and grow, not only so that we can be saved, but so that we can bring others along with us. We have to listen. Number two, if we're going to walk with Jesus and walk people to Jesus with us, we have to follow. Back to that verse one in Deuteronomy, it says, Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. We're not following just because he's a mean God. He has promised us so much, and he has promised them this big land and all of these things, but they have to follow the rules and the path that he has laid out. James says in 1, 22 through 25, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. So we have the promises of God and we have freedom. And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It is not enough for my kids to listen and to hear. Like, if I tell a child, I want you to go in the kitchen and empty the dishwasher, and they go in the kitchen, and this sometimes happens, immediately forget what they're supposed to be doing. Like, I'll look back, and I just see somebody just kind of like, Scratching their head a little bit, just looking around, like what do I what does it look like she wanted me to do? Like trying to figure it out because they don't want to ask because then what? It proves they weren't really listening and paying attention. It's not doing us any good. We have to actually do what God is saying. I don't know about you guys, but we live in this age where you have a verse of the day on your phone, you can have a devotional email to you, we've got great access to all kinds of things, teaching us to follow Jesus, but it is so easy to read that, thank God for it, pray about it, and then put it away, and just try to go about our day having a good day and being a good person. And God has so much more for us than reading a verse of the day and then just trying to be a good person. There's a way for us to go throughout our day and invite him to change us, to keep an ear open listening to what he wants to do through us and what he's asking us to do and moving through us as we move throughout our day. It is not enough for us to be good people. The world has tons of good people that aren't saved, that don't know Jesus. But God has not only given us the eternal life, but he gives us peace from that. We have trust. Christians should be the people that when the world is falling apart, we're the ones staying calm. You know why? Because this is not the end. We get to be the people who are walking into a chaotic situation, into a negative situation, whether that be at work or in relationship, and we get to lead with love and with peace. Because who has true peace on this planet anymore? It's not going to give it to us. But we're here for such a short time that we get to tell others about God and know that our trust and our hope and our peace comes from Him. The things that God is asking us to do are not always the easiest things, they are not always the fun things, they are not always the things that we feel like doing. A lot of times we see people that, that are reading the Bible, and they're like, well, I mean, he said that, but I don't feel it in my heart like that's what I'm supposed to do or like it's really a problem, so I'm just going to go ahead. And that's not, what, that's not what he said. That's not how this works. Everything God asks for us is for our good and his glory. Everything. Everything. I have never had a time where I chased what felt good to me that turned out better than what God had for me. It's our good and his glory. And then thirdly, if we're going to walk people to Jesus, Moses says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Clearly not any Ice Cube listeners in here. Now, that's all I could think of. Now, don't go look up the lyrics because then I didn't realize that's not an appropriate song. But all I could think of was I just know that one line. You've got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. In verse 9 of this passage, he says, Be careful and watch yourselves closely. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Another uh, passage, another translation of that, the ESV says, keep your soul diligently. Tend to your soul. Keep it. We all have things that we might look forward to hanging on to, things that we treasure, that we might want to pass down. For me, there were things that I wanted my mom to pass down to me, and I learned very quickly that you have to like label it practically because as the oldest of five, like you got to call dibs now because I don't want to fight about it later. But when I was young, we lived in Oklahoma. And we had this awful, awful basement. It was super scary. It had this one light that only lit up a third of the basement. And then the rest of it was like a horror movie. It just got darker and darker. And there was more spiders and more spiders. But I would get sent down there because that's where the freezer was. And that's where all the canned goods were. So when mom was making dinner, I would have to go down and bring up the meat or bring up the hamburger or whatever. And I was supposed to get the canned goods and then come right back. But being the lazy child that I was, I would try to take as long as I thought I could get away with in the lighted area. And one of the things that I liked to do was flip through my dad's box of records. Because I thought the pictures were really cool, and I was deciding which ones I think I would want when I got older. I'm going to get a record player and listen to these. He had like the Michael Jackson Thriller album, and I remember there being like a tiger cub on it, and I thought that was so cool. Never listened to it, because I was only allowed to listen to Christian music, but I thought it looked really awesome. And then (laughs) the Beatles White Album, and all these really now really valuable things. And I thought, these are going to be the things that get passed on to me. But then, when it came time to move to Kentucky, and we're packing things up, it came to our attention that in one of my mom's, I call them cleaning frenzies, the records all got tossed out. It was very, very sad. Now, my dad took it really personally, and he still talks about it, like he's the victim. But I think I'm the real victim here. I'm the one who could have had that, could have listened to that. I was the one who recognized that vinyl was going to make a comeback and that I needed to have those. And now we have nothing. But my family has quickly learned that even though my mom did not keep those albums and pass them on to me, she passed on another valuable thing to me, and that was the art of the cleaning frenzy. So now I find myself almost against my will, getting to this point where I will walk into a room and be like, enough. I am, I've had it. I've had it with this room, I have tried to keep it clean, and now everybody's gonna help me, and we're gonna spend the day in here, and nobody leaves until this room is clean, just throw everything on the yard, and we'll figure out what we're gonna keep later, but we're gonna start with the baseboards, and you're all helping me, and my kids have learned to scatter. Like, absolutely scatter. Suddenly, they remember that I asked them to clean their rooms and do their laundry. And, you know, one's like, you know, I really think that I should just get on those blinds. I'm going to clean the blinds. You do this, and I'm going to go work on those, because those are looking really shabby. Instead, my my mom passed on this tornado cleaning habit to me. Because the things we are careful to keep are the things we are able to pass on. The things that we are careful to keep are the things that we get to pass on. Those can be physical things, but those are definitely also attitudes, habits, lifestyles. I cannot expect to pass on anything that I am not nurturing and modeling in myself, and that's not always a good thing, is it? Sometimes the things that we're nurturing and that we're keeping are bitterness or a bad attitude about someone Sometimes we might be keeping and nurturing anger or hurt that God is inviting us to lay down. But we want to keep and model from listening and following the Lord what he's calling us to do. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. We pass down habits. We all know a lot more is caught than is taught, but it's also important to tell the why. Impress them on your children talk about them keep repeating those things when we get into a car and i put a seat belt on everybody they know that we wear seat belts they also at some point hear why because they're going to ask why it's like my kid's favorite question but they need to know they need to know why it's important that we do these things it's not enough that we just go to church why are we going to church why does this matter to the rest of your life Why am I a follower of Jesus? They may see me follow Jesus, but I want them to know why. I want them to know that he has changed my life. I want them to know that I was a good girl my whole life and just tried to please God and do all the right things, but it wasn't until I released myself and gave him full reign in my heart and with my attitudes and with my sins that I found peace and joy that I hadn't had before. I want them to know the miracles that I have seen in my life, the answered prayers, the dreams I thought were dead, that he revived from nothing. I want them to know that we follow a living God who cares about them and who sees them when they think they don't matter or that there's nothing special. I want to impress on them. It's not enough for me to keep it inside. We have to share it. And that's not just with the kids inside of our house. It's with the people that we meet. It is not enough that we walk around with our Bible or our cross necklace. If people don't know what God has done and why we care, why should they? They can look at us and say, that I'm so happy that that works for you. I'm so, like, good job. Live and let live, right? You do you, Boo. If they don't know why Jesus cares about them, why should they care about him? And we get to do that. We get to do that in our homes. We get to start with the people that we are close to and that we are in relationship with, and then we get to spread it out. It matters to tell the people that we're friends with who don't follow Jesus. It's weird. It doesn't feel good. It matters. Eternity is unfathomable. We are here for like 80 years. And for some reason, God really cares about who we become in this 80 years and who we reach out to. What we do in this 80 years, it's good news and it's bad news. It's good news because the things that are terrifying you are going to be gone. Not a big deal. God's on top of eternity. This is just a breath of life. But the important news is we have this much time. We have this much time to model, to draw close to God for ourselves and walk to Jesus and grab as many hands as we can and introduce them to who he is and then go back and find some more. We want revival. We do not want to come to church. We do not want to be people who know who God is and aren't spreading it or, or become deadened to who he is. We, were, we get excited about God when we remember what he did for us. I have a child who almost died and God did three miracles to save her life. My kids will hear that story as often as I get a chance to tell them because my God is a real God. He is living and active. The Bible speaks to my heart. They will hear about that. This is not just a book. I want them to know this is life and death, and it is life and peace and hope for you. That's what we get to do. We get to leave every room and go into every place carrying hope. And carrying peace and offering a better way. Jesus is a better way. But parenting gets hard sometimes because, unfortunately, our children make their own choices, they will get to decide for themselves. The people around us will hear truth, hopefully, from us, but they will decide for themselves. And on the days when we feel like we are drowning, on the days when we feel like we are failures, on the days when we feel like we are confused and we don't know what to do, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray? Isaiah 40, says, He gently leads those that have young. Whether you are raising children in your home or not, you hopefully have young. Hopefully you are bringing in young Christians. You are discipling. You are meeting with people. You are encouraging them and building them up. And God gently leads us. Here at the Vineyard, we just believe so much in being a family and in encouraging and building up each other. That's why these people have come forward right now. This is our prayer time. So as you come to your feet, we're going to go into one more song and this is your opportunity. You might be going through something nobody knows about. You might be going through a health issue, a relationship issue, a work issue. You might be killing it at parenting, but Lord knows we all need more prayer about parenting or you might be walking through something and just really want some wisdom, that's what these people are here for. So as we go into this next song, I just invite you to come up here and let them pray for you. You can tell them as little or as much as you want. If you're watching online, there is a chat button. There's somebody waiting to pray for you in real time right now. Right where you're at. God, we just come before you and we thank you for your word. Lord, as simple as it is, listen and follow and go. Lord, it's not always so easy in our everyday lives. So we just come to you and we say, draw close. Lord, you said that when we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. You said that when we ask you for wisdom, you will give it abundantly. That you are the source of our peace and our hope. So God, we just come before you and we lay it all down thank you for being a good God. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.